You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State, and I'm your host, Josh Raley. We've got a fantastic episode lined up for you today. Today, I'm chatting with Al Wisniewski of Land and Legacy Group. Al is a real estate agent, and he specializes in helping people sell their property, whether that is a recreational piece of land, whether that's a small farm or farmette, Maybe even that's just a residential property. Al is your guy. Everybody today wants to know, how can I buy a piece of property? How can I buy a piece of property? How can I buy a piece of property? Well, this conversation is all about how do I sell a piece of property? What does that process look like? And you might think, well, that's not very interesting to me, but I think it should be for a couple of reasons. Number one, you may get into a recreational property and decide, you know what? This dream that I've had for so long, it's not for me. The taxes are too high. It takes me too long to get here. Or maybe this isn't, you know, just the right piece of property for me. Maybe I need to sell this one and go find another one. So you never know when it's going to come time for you to sell that little dream that you once had. Also, as a buyer, it's extremely helpful to know what the seller is going through. To get into their mind and think, okay, why might they be selling this property? What are they thinking about? What are they feeling as they go through all of this? That way you know as a buyer what you can kind of expect from the whole process just on the other side. I had a great conversation with Al. We cover all kinds of different topics from his uh, growing up as a sportsman here in the state of Wisconsin to how he got into real estate to the whole process as he walks people through uh, selling one of their properties. So really, really great episode. You're not going to want to miss this one. I do want to let you know before we jump into this episode, a couple of cool things. Number one, We are officially a year old here at the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast. We launched our first episode on May 13th of 2021, and here we are, the middle of May 2022, and I just want to stop and say thank you so much to all of you who've been tuning in week in, week out, and listening to me talk about the outdoors, talk about stuff that I love. I I hope that this podcast has provided some value for you, and I hope you keep coming back to hear more and more. Next, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Tacticam. They are the title sponsors of this show, and uh, man, I could not be more impressed with their products. I've been using the 5.0 and the 5.0 wide this turkey season, and I have been absolutely thrilled with their performance. Um, One of my favorite parts about this is you can connect multiple cameras to your phone and, uh, you know, check exactly what is in the frame of that camera so that You're not just kind of pointing and guessing or pointing and hoping that you're getting the action exactly where you want it. You can pull it up on your phone and say, okay, yeah, this is going to get a good over-the-shoulder shot or this is getting a good look back at the blind or, yeah, this camera is, you know, turned just right to to get the best quality picture or a video uh, from my gun barrel. So, like I said, I'm running the 5.0 and the 5.0 wide. They are fantastic cameras. I cannot wait to show you some more footage. Me and my buddy Pierce are getting out next week week actually no wait 
by the time this drops, me and my buddy Pierce are getting out at the end of this week. And uh, we're both going to have tactic cams strapped to the front of our shotguns as we go and uh, chase some long beards around the hills of southwestern Wisconsin. We're going to get after some trout. Hopefully we'll catch some browns. He says he's going to put me on some brookies. I don't know. We'll have to see about that. He caught a tiger trout, though, the other day. So if you haven't had a chance, head over to his Instagram page or uh, go check out Good Chance Fly Fishing on Instagram. He caught a sweet little tiger trout the other day. So anyway, that's just a quick aside. But we're going to have some tactic cams strapped on the front of our shotguns. We're going to have some tactic cams as we uh, get into the water and chase these fish around. And we're going to have some tactic cams as we hopefully scoop up some mushrooms for our Driftless Triple Crown coming up on this Thursday. So this episode is dropping on a Tuesday. That is going to be this coming Thursday. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, you can rest assured I am out on that day having the absolute time of my life. But big thanks to Tacticam for supporting us here at the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, helping us to bring you high-quality content. Now I'm going to ask you to go and support them as well because they make one heck of a camera and you will not be disappointed. Now with all that stuff out of the way, let's jump into the conversation with Al Wisniewski. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is Al Wisniewski. What's going on, Al? Oh, just living another day in beautiful Wisconsin. It's finally got the humidity. I Man. mean, May. Dude, it went from it went from winter on Saturday to 90 degrees today. Yeah. And I'm not okay with that. No. Did you notice how, like, the trees and everything budded out, like, instantly? Oh, like, imme- overnight? Immediately, yeah. Yeah. We've got a bunch of uh, a bunch of hostas in our backyard. You know what those things are? Those, like, little bush oh, yeah. things? So, literally, on Saturday, they were barely poking up out of the ground. And today, they're, like, six inches tall. Yeah. I mean, they just ex- Crazy. absolutely exploded. And we're, people who listen to the podcast regularly, they know I'm originally from the Deep South. I left this weather for a reason, man. Uh you know, I just got to be honest with you. So when I saw it today, it was hotter here than it was in my hometown in Alabama. I was like, okay, something's wrong. Like yeah. this is this is just not right. It's not right. So, uh, well, Al, why don't you uh, give us a little bit of a rundown about who you are, what you do? You reached out to me, gosh, a number of weeks ago. We had scheduled things that couldn't quite get on the get on the schedule and that kind of stuff. Both of us are are pretty busy, but. Uh, really excited to have you on. So why don't you give me a rundown about who you are, what you do? Absolutely. Yeah, it's almost like, I think like three weeks ago we started talking. But yeah, like you said, busy, busy. Um, my full-time job or career, I should call it, um, is a real estate broker. Um, I do own my own company uh, called Land and Legacy Group. It's been almost a 10-year journey so far. Um just started year number nine, I believe, if I'm keeping track correctly. Um, and from West Bend, if anybody really knows where that is, I always say it's a half hour north of Milwaukee because there's people that really don't know where West Bend <laughs> is. But I've been to like Arizona and we'll go to uh, like a hotel or something. And it's like, hey, you guys are from Wisconsin because they can tell, you know, from our accent that we oh, have. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, you have people, you know, people in West Bend. I'm like, yeah, that's where I was from. So or am from. So. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a crazy, I'd say, eight year ride. Um, I just turned thirty this year, and like I was kind of talking to you before we got this all set up. Um, to me, thirty feels old, um, but I've been talking to people that are 60, 70, 80, and they say I have so much time left. But I just always feel like I'm behind on time. Like I got to do everything and, and get caught up. Um, so yeah, I, I started my own company when I was um, twenty seven. Um, I've been doing real estate right out of college. Um, that was actually my first ever career um, choice. I applied to jobs, never heard back. I really didn't apply that hard because really I didn't want any of them that I was applying to. Um, and sales and real estate was always kind of kind of there for me. So I went through a an up and down beginning of of real estate sales. I think most people do. Um, but I, you know, forced myself to go back to work so I could pay, pay bills. I took some odd jobs, helped out some, some roofing companies. I I actually roofed when I was in college over the summer. So that kept me going, um, as far as funding everything, um, worked for some really great real estate companies, uh, when I first started and then, uh, just kind of hit a wall and was like, I need, I need more. You know, I was, I was paying a lot of money to, to keep my business going, investing in myself. And that's what's, that's what caused me to start um, my own company. Um, and I felt like I could do a lot more on my own 
um, provide better service, you know, have that flexibility to decide what I wanted to do on, on the marketing side, the message side, that freedom is what I, I think I crave the most. And I, I think that's great because the freedom is what we, we have, you know, and, and you can take advantage of it and it, and you could fail, but you can always start again because you have the freedom to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up that you're 30. Cause I mean, you've got like, you've been around the block, you know what I'm saying? When it comes to like the amount of stuff that you've, that you've done and tried and like the journey that you've been on. But I was going to say, you know, for people that can't see you on the computer screen, like I can, like you're a young buck, man. Like this is young. You, know, you still, you still, you still got a lot of time, you know. So you're, you're actually you're getting this whole thing figured out. So what, um, what was I guess the essential key element that made you decide, like, you know what, it, it's time to start my own, my own business. Like, what was it? If you had to boil it down to one thing, what drove that? Um, I see. I come from a family that owned their own businesses. Like I. I think I have five or six family members that own and they're all local and I've seen what they've gone through. I've seen what they do every day and I see the reward that that gives them. And so you can still do that under a normal brokerage because you are an independent contractor. Um, but you, you are an extension of, of that company, of that brand um, and so you, yeah, you can create your own individuality and I see it now more and more. Um, there's companies that are allowing people to, you know, start their own teams under the umbrella or have their own brand name under the umbrella. Um, so I think that's kind of just a natural progression that people do want that flexibility. But for me, I had to really sit down and say, you know, I'm putting in, 12, 14 hour days, I'm spending tens of thousands of dollars on marketing uh, and, and just time in general. And I said, do I want to do it for me or do I want to do it for somebody else? And so, yes, in a sense, I was doing it for me as an independent contractor, but if I ever wanted to sell a, my business or um, make a decision, you know, that had to go through so many levels of management somewhere else where for me, if like, I want to do something I can go have a conversation with myself and, and make that decision. So yeah. I just, yep. you know, I always felt like I could do it on my own and I had a vision of how I wanted to look and feel. And, and I, there's a lot of pride in saying, yes, I own this, you know, by myself. Yeah. And I've actually had a lot of people that related to that. And I, I think those clients have been my best clients because we're kind of on like the same wavelength with that. Sure. Sure. So tell me a little bit about your, your growing up as far as like your involvement with the outdoors, because when I go and look at your Instagram page and I check you out online, like you're not the average, uh, real estate dude. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're yeah. definitely different. So, so tell me about your, your history growing up with the outdoors. And I mean, I see a nice buck behind you on the wall. So like, what are your passions there? So I grew up in the woods. And I think there is a reason why, and I, I thought about this before I came on, became on the show. Mm. Um, I know we talked briefly, like I was always the shy kid in school. Like I would fake sick to not go to school. And I hated raising my hand. I hated talking to people. I just, I just hated it. And so we grew where I grew up is probably, I think the best place on earth, but um, it's, it was a name that was actually, um, named after my great grandpa and it was, um, uh, my grandparents' house where that's where my mom grew up. Um, and then next door to them was my grandparents' house. So it was eventually they sold that other, that other house, but so they built a new house and it was my parents' house and then it was my aunt and uncle's house. And so we were all together and we, I still have family that lives on that road, um, my brother actually bought my grandparents' house uh, two years ago, I think. And within a mile or two mile radius was the rest of my family. So I was, uh, that's why I'm a huge family guy yeah. Um, yeah. because everything was so close. And so whenever, you know, I would have a bad day at school or just not want to go or, um, you know, something frustrated me, we have 44 acres behind my parents' house. And so I would always go there. And I would always be outside and we had 
four wheelers. We had snowmobiles. We had snowboards that we would pull behind the snowmobiles. Like we did, I feel like everything. We rode bikes through the mud. Um, we rarely were inside. And so I was always outdoorsy. And then growing up in a hunting family that just kind of naturally progresses. And I had the luxury of going literally out my back door to some of the, I think some of the best deer hunting ever in Washington County. Um, and it's just been, I, I, that's how I grew up and I still have access to that today, which is like unbelievable. Like it, it is just the coolest thing ever. And so that, that in and of itself is kind of how I became to appreciate, um, you know, the outdoors part of it, just taking care of what you have and and the land part of it is just, you know, I, I did, um, QDMA's deer steward courses, um, the quality deer management ones when it was still called that. And that even grew like my fascination for the outdoors and like caring for stuff even more because they provided such great, um, great resources for that. Uh, tell me about, I, I gotta know this. So season D for turkeys started today. Are you a turkey hunter too? I got mine coming up. I always forget to apply. So I always get the left or ones oh, and I yeah. always get the last week in May. Okay. Gotcha. So it's still coming. It's still coming. Yeah. Okay. I shot a turkey, I think, oh boy, eight years ago, seven years ago. And it was awesome. Yeah. And then I always just forget. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and man. I get busy. <laughs> yeah. I, I never really hunted turkeys much until moving up here. And man, I, I went out the first morning, a guy, a buddy of mine took me out and got one and I've been hooked bad. Like, yeah, I'm talking like setting alarms in my phone for the day that I need to get all my stuff in to make sure I've applied and then going on and buying tags for every zone that I can reasonably can drive to. And dude, it's just, it's not good. I meet up with it. So this time of year I get real weird. So yeah, I'm going to need a spot. Cause, um, behind our, behind my parents' house, my brother got one and then we had another friend that hunted and he got one. So I don't know if there's any left. So we'll have to oh, see what happens. Oh man. Hey, you're zone two, right? Zone two. Yep, man. We'll talk afterwards. Okay. Would you let me know? Uh, All right. I've, I don't think I don't think there's any back there right now, so I'll have to. Dude, there's a, uh, there's a pile. I love the the deer farmers around me. They have such an agenda against the wild turkey, and I love it so much. Yeah, because uh, you're zone two, right? Yeah, I'm zone yeah. two, and I've I've got a I've got a farmer friend who lets me hunt on his property, and uh, when I first asked if I could hunt there, he was like under one condition. I was like, Yeah, sure. What what is that? He's like, You got to kill every one of them you see. And I was like, uh, sir, I, I can't legally do that, but I will, um, I will shoot what I legally can. Yeah. If you let me hunt here. And he was like, okay, that's good enough. So there you go. They, they have like, like a vendetta, uh, against these turkeys, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, all right. So jumping into the real estate side of things, and we're going to talk a little bit today about kind of the other side than what you might hear on a podcast. We've actually done an episode here uh, on the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast about how to buy hunting land. Like that's everybody's big question, right? But I, I think uh, the question that you posed is, is kind of how do you know when it's time to sell, right? Like are we are we talking any kind of property? Are we talking just specifically hunting land? Where do you want to where do you want to take that? And then I've, I've got a follow up next about your clientele. So do you want to you want to just take that broadly speaking? How do you know it's time to sell? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that episode with Neil was awesome. That was, man, I, I've never done a deal with Neil. Um, I I've heard of him, and I really hope I get to do a deal with him because I, I think it would just be smooth as butter. Um, I mean, he, it was, that was a great episode. Um, and I, as far as like, you know, who, who the clientele is and I'll kind of, I kind of start there. Um, it, it shifted over the years for me. Um, but it, it's very interesting to see kind of the thought process that people go through, even though the property type and situations are, are different. Like when I first started, I, anything I could get my hands on, you know, would be, you know, house, condo, whatever. Um, and then, you know, eventually I'm like, Hey, I want to, I want to niche down on, on rural property, specifically land farms are awesome. Country homes are awesome. That's where I'm kind of gearing everything towards, you know, now, but everything was always kind of the same. Like what, what is the client thinking at this like moment in time when they're getting ready to, to post this property? 
Um, and it, it always kind of came down to like three things. Um, there was either somebody died um, and nobody lived there anymore and they needed to sell that property just to like settle the estate um, or um, they were going to upsize to a different property and it could be hunting property. You know, there, you could have uh, you know, when you first bought it um, you had one person hunting it and now it's getting too small because now you have five. So you got to start to get, get more acreage um, with a house. It's, it's similar because maybe now you have kids, you know, you just said you have three kids. So maybe in three years, you're going to be looking to, to buy a bigger house to kind of accommodate that, that growth. Um, so it, it was kind of like, and, and there's other people that, you know, they're, they kind of went through that transition of uh, first house, second house for the growth. And then now like they're empty nesters and they just can't take care of that property anymore. Uh, cutting the grass is, you know, takes two hours and they don't have the energy for two hours of cutting grass. So they'd love to sell that and, uh, you know, maybe buy a condo where they don't have to, to do that stuff. So any way I've looked at it, it's always kind of come down to like those three types of, of situations. Uh, let's, let's lean in there a little bit when it comes to selling a property. Um, you told me kind of what's informing their thinking when it comes to selling. It's either a death or they're upsizing or downsizing essentially. Right. And what yep. are, what are some of the challenges that people face when it comes to selling a property? Like for me, buying a, buying a, uh, a piece of hunting land is like a dream. You know, mm -hmm. like it's something that we are actively working toward as a family. It's a value for us. I can't imagine getting 10 years into it and being like, okay, it's time to sell this thing that I've dreamed for forever. Like I, yep. I would have a really hard time with that. So, uh, yeah, tell me a bit about that. So that, 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 that brings up something that I actually had written down anyways, was, um, it really depends like what type of property it is. So I have investment property. So when I bought those properties, I purchased it knowing that it's either going to be uh, a long-term sell basically, or I'm going to keep it forever until, until I pass away and, and whoever inherits it will be able to figure out, you know, what to do with it. So like it, it what, what's very common with the hunting property and um, let's just even like a lake home, right? When people buy those, they kind of go like, okay, I'm going to own this forever. Um, and they don't prepare for that exit because you're in the moment. You're like in the emotional side of everything. And you're like, yep, I'm never going to get rid of this property. I've had people tell me I'll never sell this property. And then three years later, there's a for sale sign in the yard wow, or, yeah. the, or the road. So yep. um, the thing that you want to think about is I know it's hard because it is, like you said, it is a dream and you want to have it. Um, but yeah, life happens and there are ups and downs and everything. So I think like the biggest thing you got to look at is what am I buying this for? You know, do I want to own it forever? Yeah, certainly. But, um, you know, you, you got to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, if I don't own it forever, like, what am I going to, how, how is the sale going to go? And you don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but you just want to kind of look for, you know, signals, you know, of, do you even enjoy going to that property anymore? We, we had a cabin up in, in Wapaga County and it was fun in the beginning. And we thought my parents were going to retire there. Um, but the taxes every year were about 5,000 bucks. Um, it needed, it was cedar siding. So it needed new stain. That's not cheap. You know, that's thousands of dollars. Yep. And then yep. you start to add up all the, uh, the gas money, the out to eat and stuff. And it just be kind of came more of a liability and it, and, and it took a couple years to figure out, okay, we don't want to own this anymore. And it was still hard to sell. And, and I'm a guy that does it every day, but being on that other side, like it is a tough decision because, and I was actually just doing a video on this and uh, we, we did a post and there are people that just don't do not want other people to know what's going on in their lives. And real estate is everywhere. I mean, you go on Zillow, you can see what houses are for sale and then you can go to the tax records and see what they paid for it, what they sold it for. If they're behind on their taxes, if they're being foreclosed on. So there's literally no privacy. So that I think makes it a lot harder for people to like come to that realization that they want to sell. Yeah. And you know, I, I think too, 
Like you, you kind of get in a sticky situation a lot of times. It's, I would imagine like you've got people maybe who come to you and give you a call and say, man, I'm on the fence. Right. So like, what are, what are some of the things you're going to do to help them? Because like, I imagine you don't, you're, you're not just like, Hey, what can I do to push them to sell? Right. Like you're, you're, what is best for this client? Because I, I would rather have a client for the next 20 years than to get this one sale done or, or whatever, you know, get this exactly. one listing. So like, how are you going to help them process everything that's going on both internally as far as what they're feeling and then externally, like whether it's a good property for them anymore or whether the market's doing something funny. So they should consider, you know, taking advantage of it. Yep. Yeah. And so it's so just kind of going back the biggest struggle that I'd say a lot of people have had right now about deciphering is just the low inventory of, you know, like, and, and that's going to be for like your primary residence. Right. So if you can't find a property to live in, how the heck are you going to sell yours? And are you going to live on the streets? Are you going to rent, you know, yep. and even finding a rental is hard. Um, yep. So that's, I'd say that's probably number one, you know, that the, the cash is, you know, people have so much equity right now, but to access that cash, you get, you're going to have to struggle, you know, to, to either find a replacement property um, or, or, or find a rental and, or build, but building so expensive. So there's a lot of stuff that, that goes there, but kind of going back to what you said of like, you know, that person that's, that's on the fence, no matter what stage somebody is in, I go through the same, the same process. And most people, or I would say most agents are going to go to that meeting. They're going to print out a bunch of comparable sales and say, look, this is what your property's worth. The, that is actually the last thing that I go over. Um, and sometimes I don't even go over it at all. I'll just give them like general information. Um, and I, I spend, even if these people are like, I'm not going to sell my property, but I'm just curious, you know, what you think. Um, I first start looking at um, all the tax records. I'll pull the tax information, aerial maps, look at anything that could adversely affect that property, such as um, floodplain, wetland, shoreland zoning. Those are probably the biggest three things that we have in our area. Um, and then from there, uh, look at the zoning. Most people don't even know what their property is zoned. They'll just think the tax bill says what it's supposed to be and, and all that good stuff. Um, I've even contacted title companies. If I have a question on something, they get copies of documents. Um, and then once I have all of that information, then I'll actually go to the pricing because I might find something before I get to the pricing that affects that. And then if I just gave this person, you know, here's five properties that sold. You know, that, that information, it, yeah, it might be accurate, but it's most likely not. Um, so once, it, and this is what I kind of call step one, I, I have a five-step process. I just call it a legacy process. Um, and that step one is, is learning as much as I can. And that's about the property. Um, and once I have all of that information, I literally put it in a folder and then I'll meet with the, the owner of the property. We'll go take a tour of it just to make sure that what I saw on the back end with a computer is is accurate because i've seen stuff you know on a computer that wasn't accurate so i want to make sure that um that comes out and and i can give this person like quality answers and information um and it, it's about the property but then it's also about the person so you know i'll ask them questions about what they want to do how do they feel what are their worries you know are they worried that people are going to know that they're selling are they worried that you know, they can't trust somebody or, you know, how, how is an inspection going to go? How is a survey, the title company, all the closing, believe it or not, there's people that don't know what a closing is. Um, and so I try to, you know, use it as an education part of it, but then also just connect and, and ask questions and hear, hear their story. Just like you're hearing my story. Um, I want to hear theirs. And I, I put all that stuff together. We have a great conversation, hopefully. And then um, the ball's in their court. I leave them all that information you know, I'll follow up with them and make sure that they didn't need anything else, but I kind of just leave it on them. There's no pressure or anything. You know, if they, if they work with me, great. If they hire somebody else, I've had people hire, hire somebody else after meeting with me. I don't take it personal. Um, but I've also seen the documents that I've prepared the other agent uses. So, um, <laughs> you know, it tells you something, yeah, <laughs> you know, that yeah. what I'm giving them is actually worth value. Um, you know, that, that's just kind of how I roll. Hey guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam. 
As many of you know, I've really gotten into filming my hunts over the last two years, and I especially love filming my turkey hunts. This spring, I'm going to be running the Tacticam 5.0 and the Tacticam 5.0 wide cameras. I plan to have the 5.0 mounted to my bow stabilizer with the 5.0 wide looking back at my blind to get great second angle footage. The 5.0 and the 5.0 wide deliver 4K 30 frame per second resolution in a weatherproof package. There's also a remote that you can get for them so that you can operate these cameras with just the click of a button. And to make it even better, they offer tons of mounts and accessories made specifically with hunters and anglers in mind. If you're hoping to capture your hunting memories to share with friends, family, and loved ones, check out the Tacticam 5.0 and the Tacticam 5.0 wide today at www.tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. So that was step one. I'm interested in this legacy process you talked about. You said your first step is you're just going to learn as much as possible. What's that step two? A common question I get, and this is how I came up with step two, is do I need to do anything to this property? Oh, that, that's really like, good because that was actually one of my questions here in just a little bit about how do you prepare the property to either uh, sell it quickly or try to maximize value. I, I'm guessing somewhere at a little bit of both, right? Yeah. Yep. And I'll, I'll kind of go like, I think Neil mentioned it on his and it was, it was, I'm so happy he did because there's these little things that you can do with vacant land that just make a world of difference. And it's probably more so in his part of the state, but like where I'm at, where it's more kind of built up, you know, we're selling smaller properties that are more for like building a house than, than for say hunting. Um, but I've even had, you know, a five or let's just say a 20 acre piece and you, you pull up to this thing and it's like walking through a jungle. Like you can't get anywhere. You can't see anything. Yeah. And my recommendation for always something like that is like, even if it's just a three foot walking trail, you know, clear it out so people can actually stop where the, where we put our sign, make sure there's good parking because a lot of times we don't have driveways yet um, and get out and actually take a tour of your property, not fight through buckthorn or overgrown brush. Um, and it, it adds to the experience. Um, and then if you do have, um, you know, I guess some hunting aspect to it, you know, have some trail camera photos. It's the easiest thing to do. Most people have them anyways. Um, but you know, have that, especially if you're going to advertise it, oh, you can hunt out of your back door. You know, how do you, what, what are you hunting deer? You know, it'd be nice to have a, a couple pictures of that. Um, and the simplest thing I think is actually getting, um, your property corners marked, um, with a nice bright orange flags that when people go, Hey, where's that corner? You can point to it because I, I use map, right? Which is a GPS. It's like Onyx hunt, but um, it's a little bit different. So I use that. So when I'm on showings, you know, I can find roughly where those corners are, but I'm not always hundred percent sure. So maybe just investing in like a simple survey or something like that to get those corners, corners marked would be great. And that's a marketing tool. Um, it adds value because people, you're going to need that survey sooner or later. Um, and that a lot of that same stuff could be said for, you know, a house that has that acreage because you still need to know where the corners are. It's great to be able to take a UTV, four-wheeler and, and go around the property and show it um you know even just cutting the grass is, is everything i recommend is super simple um and when you kind of get to the house part of it man i've walked in the houses where you could you can't even walk down the hallway because there's so much stuff and it's not that they're in the process of moving it's just that's how they live and so when you see that and they want top dollar for everything you know i'd even be afraid to have people come through because it's, it's really just going to, you're just kind of setting yourself up for a really, really bad experience. Sure. Um, so the people use the word declutter, you know, it, it's, it's the simplest thing. Um, and then if there's like holes in the walls, you know, we should probably get those patched up, paint <laughs> over them. And it, it sounds super simple, but this yeah, is what I see yeah. every day. Like wow. the simplest stuff. Yeah, man. All so right. That's, that's the, ele- I, I, that's elevate. So it's the E in legacy. Okay. All right. What's the next step? So we go to G then, which is generate. And that's where, that's where the online marketing boots on the ground marketing really comes up. So that's where we market the property. So we're doing all the MLS stuff. That's kind of, I figure our bare bones that feeds to Zillow, realtor.com. But, you know, once we get through that, we really dive into social media marketing and I'm not talking about just putting in, like a just listed or just sold post. Like we actually put 
money behind our Facebook ads and, and actually try to get high quality leads with detailed targeting, having people see it, you know, five, six, seven times, because that's when most people actually remember when they see something is when they see it all over the, all over the place. That's why when you go on Amazon and you see the thing that you added to your cart, but didn't buy it, that's why they keep following you with all of that. (laughs) So we try to do the same thing and and it's expensive. I mean, it, it's not uncommon for me to spend a thousand bucks a month for one, for one property just to get that exposure, but it helps. And it's something measurable that I can show to, to the client. Um, and then with, with land.com, um, I'm a signature partner with them. And so land.com I always call is like the Zillow, but it's for real property. And it's great because when I'm a signature partner, all of my stuff gets shown before anybody else's listing. So it doesn't matter where you are. If I have a listing that's added in there, um, you could have 20 other listings. My stuff is going to be in the top. Like I'm sure Neil's a signature partner, I'm sure. So he get he gets the same type of marketing, which is awesome. Um, so you kind of build like that, those relationships with that target market because who's going to use that website? Somebody that's looking for land. I mean, it's literally called land.com. Um, <laughs> I mean, I wish I had yeah. that URL. It's awesome. Um, you know, so that that's more the generate part. We still do direct mail, direct mail. I, I do a ton of um, just to build local exposure around that, around yep. that property. Yep. All right. So bring me to the A then. The A is accept. That's when we finally have gone through showings, offers. There might be a little bit of negotiation back and forth, um, but that's when we get to the accepted offer phase. Um, and to be honest with you, there's, there's times where we don't get to that, to that phase because either the the market shifted like we didn't think, or maybe the list price was too high. Um, or I, I've even had sellers are like, I don't want to sell anymore. Um, so th- that does happen. Um, but as far as like that goes, it's kind of, you know, it, it, it's, it's still a beginning process, even though you've accepted offer, there's still a lot to get through. Um, and once we get an accepted offer, we have um, some systems that we use as far as uh, creating checklists to make sure all the contingencies get satisfied on time. Um, we always update our clients every Monday, whether it's accepted offer or not, um, just to make sure they know what's going on with everything. We get the title ordered. Um, and there's a lot of scheduling. You know, if you got to schedule a surveyor, an inspector, appraisers, all that good stuff needs to be accounted for. Um, and, and that phase can take anywhere from, let's say, 10 days if it's a really simple like cash offer or I've had deals that take six months um, just because there's just a lot of a lot of stuff that needs to get done, um, especially like where I'm at with land divisions um, or approvals. Um, I'm doing one right now. That's probably going to take six months. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Six months. Yep. That would drive me nuts. Yep. But a lot of it, though, is is expectations, you know, and that's why I go to the that's why I start with the learn phase, because if I don't know what they want to do, you know, they can go on Google and say, yeah, land division, two months, three months tops. But if they don't have the expectation of, no, this is probably going to take six months because of X, Y, and Z, you know, that, that kind of sets the table of, okay, this, this could take a year because if we, sometimes you get lucky and get an offer right away. Um, not lucky, I should say if, if, if that happens, it means everything kind of lined up really well. Um, but you know, there, there's times where you won't get an offer for the first three months. So now you start kind of building up time and when, with time comes, you know, frustration and all that other, other stuff, you start to worry a little bit if it's ever going to happen and you start getting feedback from showings and people don't like it. And you know, it, it, it can take its toll. Yeah, for sure. So tell me then the, the final step. I, I tried to come up with a word that started with why to make it six because yep. legacy, yeah, but sure. I couldn't. So I'm like, I'm going to end at C. Hey, um, legacy. So it was close. Yeah. It was close. We'll do it. Yep. So close. And I've had, trust me, I've had deals that fell through at closing just over something so simple, but um, closing is when everything, you know, comes together. So we got the wire, uh, the wire for the funds showed up at the title company uh, everything checks out as far as financing, appraisals, final walkthrough. Um, and then that's when the deed is actually actually signed over. So you have a seller that's no longer the owner, buyer that's the new owner, and then they sign all the closing statements, any money's dis, uh, dispersed, uh, any loans are paid off. Everything's pretty much wrapped up. Okay, so 
I'm curious now to know, so this is the whole, like, from basically from listing to everything's done, right? We've closed on the property. Do you help folks who are looking to buy property as well, or are you just sticking to the listing side of things? Um, we do both. Um, okay. we, we normally focus a lot of our attention on listings, but we normally, we normally get a buyer um, that also is going to sell. So that's where you kind of get into that transition part of it where property's too small or big. They need to sell this to buy the new property. Um, so then you're helping them kind of, I always call, I always use the word big domino. Um, the buying the property is the big domino that makes everything else with the selling the property and all that other stuff kind of happen with like an investment property or second property. Um, you know, you don't really have that, that buyer thing unless they're going to roll that into a new property. So it, it does work, work side by side. Okay. Okay. I, I gotta ask you, you know, I, I've been reading a lot of stuff in the news lately. Um, recession, this recession, that we've lived in a, in a time for the last several years, right? Super, super low inventories, right? I got you on. I got to know what, what's your take on what's coming, man? I wish I had an answer for that, but I, I, and it, it, this is going to sound really bad, but I always just kind of put the blinders on, yeah. you know, there, there's, yep. there's news, there's hysteria and you look at what is happening. Yeah. Interest rates are going up. So what's the, what's the likely effect of that? Well, people's purchasing power goes down. So, cause their monthly payments now more or vice versa. What if it was going, you know, down, everybody was refinancing and doing all that. So I'm aware of, of all that stuff that's, that's going on, but I kind of just focus on um, everything that I can control. I can't control what the, what the feds are going to do. I can't control how people are going to react to that. Um, so I, it's, it's in my best interest and my client's best interest to be aware of that. Let them know about it. I'm sure they know about it already but to really just focus on honing in my craft, servicing who's hired me to do that. Um, I think, you know, if I had to guess, and it's not going to be a shock to anybody, but, you know, what goes up must come down and what goes down must come up. Real estate and business is a cycle. So if you look at kind of the time frame that we're in, yeah, we've seen record highs. Is that going to be sustainable? Honestly, not really, because we've seen it historically um, that, you know, what stuff goes up and down all the time. Um, but I think the, the hardest thing that people are living with right now is, you know, they do want to, they do want to sell, but they just don't have anywhere to go. So it's just a balancing act because they're sitting on, on this large amount of equity. And it's like, what do, how, how do I get it? You know, it's like literally trapped. And I think that that scares a lot of people because if you don't take advantage of it now, what happens if it goes lower and lower and lower, and then you just lost all that, all that potential money. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Do you, do you anticipate the inventory thing leveling out anytime soon? I mean, I, we moved here uh, two years ago, man, we had to put an offer on a house sight unseen just to buy a house in this stinking town where we live. And I mean, we love the town. It's great, but Holy cow. It was really tough just to buy, just to find something in our price range that, you know, that we saw the house or my wife saw the house for the first time the day before we closed on it. And it was just like, yes, yeah. that's, that's what we had to do. We lived a thousand miles away and that was just what we had to work with. The inventory even then was super low and that's all pre COVID. Right. Yeah. So right. do you anticipate sort of the, the market like balancing itself out at least a bit when it comes to some of that inventory issues, either with houses or even with hunting land? I mean, you just, you just don't see a lot of hunting land. Yeah. On the and that's what's right scary now. is like, you know, the house thing is, is, you know, everybody needs a place to live. Right. So you, you hear about that a lot, but even with just vacant land in general, you know, it, there, there's been properties where we list it and it's like, I, I gotta like turn my phone off because it's, it's ringing so much and people want to are knocking on my door to get, to get on it because they don't want somebody else to do it. Um, so like, that's been, I think the biggest shock too, is like, it doesn't even matter what, what property type it is. It's just been, it's just been the same for everything. Um, which again, when, when you're kind of in like the hunting property or the, the vacant land, that's good because you don't, you don't live there. So people can cash that out. They can put that into retirement accounts or pay off other debt or whatever. So I think, you know, that helps as far as like 
relieving some of that inventory stress because it, you know, people don't have to really think twice about where am I going to live? Um, but I, I, I do sure hope it, it levels off, um, you know, high prices for property owners, you know, I don't think that's ever a bad thing, right? I mean, that helps their net worth and everything like that. But for people that are looking to get started in it, um, to, to owning something or owning a second property or building an investment portfolio, you know, sooner or later, something's gotta, something's gotta give. Yeah. And I think that's where we've found ourselves is in this like perpetual waiting stage of like, Oh, we're, we're, you know, if we can do this, this, and this, then we'll be there. And by the time we do this, this, and this, it's like, Oh, somebody moved the goalpost. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, that dollar amount is not what it was a year and a half ago when we started working toward, you know, this thing. So, yeah. yeah. And I always, I always keep track of every day I check, I have a pretty big area that I look at um, and I'll look at, okay, how many new listings are, are on and how many clothes and, and all that good stuff. And I remember times, I mean, this is probably a 30 county area and it was like new listings, a hundred. I'm like a hundred wow. listings in 30 counties. And now you're starting to see, you know, 150, there's days where it was like 300 something. Um, you got to kind of give a little credit to the time of year. This is when most people do sell. Um, okay. Where it feel like is the best time because it's, it's getting nice out and, and all that good stuff. But um you know, that, that does help that relieves some of that, some of that pressure too. Yeah. So I asked Neil a lot of these same questions, but you know, as a guy who, who says, Hey, I'd, I'd love to buy one day a recreational piece. Um, but because of my family dynamic, because what, how we like to live our life, it's not going to just be a recreational piece. Like I don't want something to drive 30 minutes to, I want something that I can build on the next five to 10 years, maybe even sooner. What, what's like the number one piece of advice that you'd give a guy like me? That, that is, it's tough to do. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy that kind of shoots it straight. Like, it's not like, I, I, I love that question because I'm the same way. Like I I've always wanted to own an investment property. You got to think of, you know, a piece of land as an investment property because it's not your, it's not where you live right now. There's yep. different qualifications to buy it. Um, you're going to have, costs every year that are going to show up no matter what, and you have to pay them. Otherwise you're just going to lose the property. Um, so the first thing I say to people is, you know, where, where are you financially sound? Like, do you have cash in an account? Do you have a, a retirement account? Do you have equity in your house? Because those are things that you can use for the down payment. The down payment is where most people struggle in, in my oh, opinion. For sure. Yeah. Because, you know, even let's just use a hundred thousand dollars you're going to need, you know, $25,000 to buy that piece. Um, and so if you can't come up with that, you know, you're not, you're not going to get a loan for it. Now you can get creative. Maybe the seller will do a land contract, zero money down, maybe a small amount. I've seen that happen before. Um, they usually do it for tax incentives because they don't take that lump sum all in one year. Um, or maybe you got a family mem- member that'll give you a, like a short-term loan or something to kind of, to kind of cover that at with 0% down. So there's ways to, to get creative with it, but if you can't do that, you know, you're kind of at a standstill. So you got to kind of save, you know, you got to maybe not go out to eat so much or, you know, that new car that's, I know people that have truck payments that are $1,300, you know, is that oh even like, <laughs> but you can go buy a car with no money down. No problem. Uh, yeah, you know, this is totally yeah. different. You know, yep. there's a reason why that depreciates every year as soon as you drive it off the lot. Yep. Um, yep. but with like a, like a property, like you were describing a second property, um, you know, that down payment's huge. And then, you know, are you going to be comfortable making those monthly payments, you know, because those could range from, you know, let's say on average 1300 bucks for a, for like a, just say a run of the mill property. Um, you know, are you going to be hurting every time that that comes out? And and there's stuff the bank looks at as far as like getting that final approval. But, you know, the bank doesn't have feelings, really. You know, you do. You're the one that would be <laughs> up at night or, uh, you know, scrambling. And then the biggest thing I think people forget about is that property tax bill shows up every year. Yep. And that is something that, you know, could be a couple hundred bucks, which isn't horrible. I've seen people with tax bills upwards of five to ten grand. And that is one lump sum that they'll pay. And that wow. is something that a lot of people forget about. Wow. 
And that's yes. sometimes that's a lot of, a lot of times why people sell because the property taxes got, got too high. I have a lot of people actually coming from Illinois because the property taxes are just ridiculous. And they'll, they, what they'll save in property taxes is over the next like two years is like 40,000 bucks. And so those, those folks that are coming up here from Illinois, you just, you turn them away, right? You just tell them. To oh go yeah. Yeah. They don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, got, oh. we got enough Illinois people up here. Right? Oh man. I love it. I love it. I, I live, uh, we get a lot of folks from Illinois passing through here. I don't want to say where I live. Let, some people know anyway. Uh, well, man, thanks so much for all this information. This is, this is really, really good. Uh, I hope that this has helped those who are maybe considering selling their properties or, or just to give the other side of the story for those guys who are like, man, I want to buy, I want to buy, I want to buy. Well, this is what the seller's thinking through. And this is what the selling agent is thinking through. The listing agent is thinking through. So if folks want to hear more from you or find out more, uh, especially like on your Instagram page, you, you put a lot of good stuff up there. Where can, uh, where can people find more? Yep. So anything with social media, I'm, I'm pretty consistent, at least getting something out once a day. Um, Facebook, the business page is, um, Landon legacy group. I operate that under my business page. Don't be afraid to send me a friend request either. You know, I, I post stuff on everything and shoot me a message on Facebook. That'd be great. Um, Instagram it's, uh, at Al Wisniewski, um, a lot of the same stuff, but maybe just obviously just a different platform. Um, YouTube, I have been doing a lot more that on YouTube as well. Um, that's just my name as far as my YouTube channel. Um, and don't be afraid to shoot me a call. Give me a text, uh, 262-305-7494. Um, email is usually the best way to get a hold of me. Um, and that's just al at landonlegacygroup.com. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to lots more good things coming from you. And that is all for this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Big thanks to Al for coming on. Had a great time chatting with him. Also, thanks to our partners over at Tacticam for helping make this show possible. I am looking forward to this next week. We've got a couple of weeks of turkey season left here in Wisconsin and a little bit of time to get out and chase some brown trout. Really looking forward to the uh, our pursuit of the Driftless Triple Crown here in the next couple of days and uh, yeah can't wait to bring you guys the story on next week's episode but until we meet again get outside and do something to take advantage of this amazing tremendous resource that is ours as Wisconsin sportsmen. Mm-hmm.